Welcome everybody to another episode of Helgit's Hearth Podcast. I uh, I started this podcast to record my own personal journey through the world of heathenry as a true as we see it here today. Um, as we know, heathenry throughout the time has changed um, pretty heavily since about the 70s, and not all of it was very good history. Uh, I, I strongly feel that we're in a much better position today than we were back then. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, We came from some pretty dark times if you go back in the past of at least the U.S. or the, the stateside version of heathenry. Not all of it was good, but um, I, I, we've made leaps and bounds to a wonderful faith that we have here today, so that's something to be thankful about. Now, I realized that my last episode uh, was a little bit more on the advanced side, because honestly, uh, I wanted that one out right away, because it's quite a popular topic amongst uh, starting heathens and, and even advanced heathens like, and I was stuck in a really weird spot with that as well <clears throat> before I would actually take up the title uh, willingly. I, I still feel a little bit weird for it, but I mean, if it walks like a duck and uh, talks like a duck, well, then it's it's a duck. So when it comes down to it, if you lead a group, you're performing ritual and uh, you're doing it for your friends, family, <clears throat> friends and family. If, if you do it more among your family, I believe that's more of like a, a, a house gothi or a who's gothi, I believe is more the correct term of that. But if you go more public with it, yeah, then, then it's more uh, gothi. Of course, uh, the first episode I'm talking about is uh, becoming a gothi, and that was, like I said, one I did because it's a popular topic amongst starting and and advanced heathens, because um, you have one side that, that is vehemently protecting of the title, and the other side that's kind of like, well, if you're doing it, you're doing it. And I've, I've recently got out of the camp of, you need a bunch of certifications before you, you do it, because there's such a lack of it that uh, there is no like centralized way of getting uh, a formal education in it. So, really, as long as you have the experience behind you, um, then there should be nothing wrong with that in a very simple term. And that's pretty much what I covered in that last episode. I'm not going to go too deep into it because, well, I want to cover a couple other, uh, at least another thing today, <clears throat> something a little bit more in the beginning realm um, of the start of a journey. And it's not quite a Heathenry 101 kind of deal. It's more of a, it's 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 more, more, more or less a little bit more an advanced topic, but it deals with the start of the journey uh, that I don't see talked about a lot. And it's unfortunate that, that it just doesn't come up. And I'm not sure if it doesn't come up because it's kind of a sensitive deal or, or, it just, it's never crossed anybody's mind. Before that, uh, I had to sit down and pour me up a glass in my buddy's homemade mead. Um, I got a buddy of mine that's uh, really getting into it here recently, and he made up some blueberry mead. 
and he gave me a bottle after sampling it a few times and he thought he got it pretty much spot on and gave me a bottle and well just a small bit and I've got that here today it's not bad at all I recently started a strawberry batch myself and it's cooking away hopefully uh, hopefully it'll be ready for enjoyment as well as uh, ritual in the near future but um what do I what do I what was I talking about before um, the very start of your journey you have to do something uh, you have to shed that skin of monotheism before you can really embrace polytheism and what I'm talking about is deconstruction it's something that we all have to do whether whether or not uh, uh, you've been a heathen for a long time or a short time uh, it's something that that will be done eventually and everybody's going to have a different amount of time it takes to deconstruct and more more or less you're going to be deconstructing a lot of uh, Christian idealisms that that a lot of us had come from. I personally came from uh, Catholicism. I, I was born and raised a Catholic. Um, went to catechism for a couple of years. I I didn't really finish fully out, but because I was a kid and I was hard headed, and you know, on every Tuesday and Thursday, I wanted to go hang out with my friends and and ride the ride my bike around town, and instead of being at you know essentially church and a church school at that, so I'd get done with school, and well, the last thing I want to do is go back and go to school again, right? So I uh, I did that for quite a few years, got my first communion in and stuff like that, and and just didn't vibe with me, you know, even back then, um, of course the, the child in me just didn't want to, to go to school, but none of it, none of it really stuck. I mean, it just kind of bounced off me on, well, um, in a way it kind of bounced off me. I didn't, I didn't pick up a lot. Now, now that I'm older and I can kind of respect the idea of, of a faith, in general, I can actually sit down and, and interpret things as an adult and, and really uh, get the full grasp of, uh, you know, aspects of, of faith, especially when it comes down to our faith of, of heathenry or is that true? But, uh, yeah, first we need to deconstruct. And I can't say that I knew I was fully deconstructed. Uh, I don't even think, like, it's it's such a long, drawn-out process that, that it, it's hard to say when you're, like, fully deconstructed because I don't know if it's even possible to, to basically just say, oh, yeah, I'm fully deconstructed now. Uh, many heathens, especially newer ones, will misinterpret how much uh, deconstruction they've, they've done. It's just something to really sit down and get some perspective on, you know, sit down and really talk to yourself and, and think to yourself, you know, how much is still with me? How much of that, you know, it's because uh, I kind of attribute it to like moving houses, okay? You're you're moving houses and, and when you're in a new space, what are you going to do? Um, 
you want to be comfortable. We're creatures of comfort, so we want to make the environment as comfortable as possible. It's, uh, or like when I go out on the road, I got to stay at hotels occasionally. And one of the tricks of the trade I learned was to bring uh, my pillow from home with me. So that way, at night, when I go to lay down in this strange place, at least I got some semblance of comfort from my prior location or my home. Um, and we see, I guess, a lot of similarities, or at least I do, I see a lot of similarities within that that context of, of bringing things over to make us comfortable. And, of course, I'm talking... These, these places are, you know, more or less monotheism, polytheism. And, of course, you're coming from a monotheistic um, viewpoint and going over to a polytheistic. And some of those idealisms just don't mesh. But uh, we still see attempts, whether or not it's um, intentional or not, for people to... to attempt to, to mix the two in a slight way, even if they don't mean they're doing it, or if they don't mean to, to do it. It just sometimes happens. It's just, again, it's something that we kind of do subconsciously. Um, it's, it's, it's tough. It's difficult. And it's an, it's, it's an understanding difficulty to, to move from monotheism, which is so rooted in society today, to go over to polytheism, which isn't practiced very heavily, doesn't have any huge school or uh, centralized way of, of going about it. It's mostly self-taught, from what I understand. A lot of the stuff that I had to go to through, I was self-taught. And, you know, my start of deconstruction was moving over to... Wicca. See, because I actually started out for for a very short stint. I was uh, I was Wiccan because that was my kind of first version of polytheism, and with that, you know, that being there or that being the starting position. Um, of course, I went into that with stuff from monotheism, and it it just. It's really confusing in the beginning. Um, you you think you ha you think you ha understand it, but you you don't realize that you're 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 putting some monotheistic traits on a on a polytheistic uh, uh, faith. There's it's not malicious, and it's and it's not me attacking somebody that does that. It's it's totally by accident. It's unintentional because that's all we know, and there that's completely understandable to do. Um, I'll get into the, more of those traits here in a second, but, and from Wicca, I eventually got moved over to, to heathenism fully, and like I said, it was a very short stint that I was, I was Wicca, and I actually pulled some stuff from Wicca over to, to heathenry, which is where you get, uh, um, kind of the derogatory, uh, Wicca true, which we also see a lot of. Uh, see, Wicca is is pretty. I don't want to call it established, but there is definitely more. It's more complete in a sense. So you know, when you get into it and you learn some of those aspects and you pull them over to to 
um, heathenry because in Wicca, you know, it's it's various school of thought, and you can you can kind of piece together at least a, a working picture from those pieces and different different variations of things and get something that's that's pretty well and complete and you'll find a lot of people when they when they move into heathenry from kind of that aspect that of of wicca you'll you'll have some of them carrying over some of them traits as well and that's where again you get that wicca true um derogatory term it's but again i don't really think personally that people do that intentionally and there's nothing wrong with it it's just it's how many people mislabel um heathenry or aza true with those wicked traits as like um true heathenry or or um historical heathenry or something like that it's just you have to be careful with that and and that's where heathenry it's it's even more difficult because we can't pull things from other places to get a somewhat complete picture. We we work with already a very small keyhole of information that we're trying to um, piece together things. With that keyhole, you're just never going to have a complete image of what it may have been, and this is where it's easy for people just to fill in uh, blanks with with what they want and it it is easy to do that but you have to be careful that you have to be wary of that because if if you're trying to label it as authentic um this that's where you'll probably run into trouble it's fine if you have upg there's nothing wrong with upg uh it's just you have to be able to disclaim that when when you you know are talking or teaching somebody that it's it's your personal uh, gnosis it's it's not based on uh, anything historic or archaeological uh, and it's total just guesswork it may feel good to you and there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do you just have to be careful when you pass that knowledge on to others now what what aspects am i talking about with deconstruction to kind of you know rewind a little bit uh, we see new heathens come in, and sometimes even older heathens that just haven't really done a lot of self-reflection or reflection on polytheism as a whole. And I'm guilty of it as well. I mean, everybody was new at one time. So, of course, I, I believe a lot of us actually utilize some of these, these traits in the very beginning as we gradually progressed into polytheism but some people might get stuck because they just aren't very self-aware or just don't want to uh are, are just failing to grasp the concept of polytheism they're moving at their own speed and that's just fine there's nothing wrong with that however um Maybe maybe these, this will help you kind of reflect on the way that you look at things. And uh, again, this is you know again my personal podcast, so this is this this is purely my personal views. There is there is definitely more 
more expert advice out there in terms of like historical and archaeological stuff, but but I've been doing it for a little while, and my personal journey is going to be different from yours, and I'm I'm totally comfortable with speaking about uh, a lot of this now. So, and we're not going to agree on something. That's fine. That's fine. Um, I actually. I actually hope that that uh, I I don't I'm not the most agreeable in in some ways because sometimes the the I'm wrong sometimes I'm right sometimes I'm wrong and that's that's just the the beauty of it and I'll, I'll get to grow and learn as uh, as I I run into people that that you know pull into question some of the things I say which is fine too. Um, but I'm pretty I'm pretty comfortable with with the way I practice and stuff like that. So again, it, this is a lot of personal stuff, and and if if you don't agree, that's that's all right too. But um, the, these are some of the thoughts that I have on it. So deconstruction uh, and, and what what are some of the traits that that do get brought over to polytheism or or heathenism and. I'm going to say right off the bat, a lot of people have this idea that, that the gods are on a pedestal. They, they are this um, prime being. They are omnipotent. Okay, And we have to understand that the gods are not omnipotent. And they're not, you know, alpha and omega kind of powerful. They're, they're, they're powerful beings, yes, but they're not all-powerful there they cannot do everything okay um we actually see plenty of times in the sagas where you know thor fails a challenge or um they succumb to to anger or uh, other emotions uh they they screw up and is sometimes they have their own personal motives involved and that's that's them they they are not omnipotent they can die they're they're not immortal so where am i going with this well i noticed that especially in newer heathens they'll they'll latch on to gods right away and it's and and there's nothing totally wrong with with venerating the gods heavily but you have to understand that that you know they they have a bigger picture to look at. They look at uh, the cosmic order of things where people, I think, they, they feel that the gods are, are constantly in some kind of state of uh, influx with their, or uh, how do I put it? Um, it's, it's not the word I'm looking for, but they're constantly involving themselves with their personal life, and that's just not the case they are they they are powerful but I, I most individual paths are not going to to have that kind of one-on-one kind of relationship if you know what i'm saying with that it's it's they are not going to directly induce themselves or inter, uh, induct themselves into your life or, or uh if that's the word I'm looking for, excuse me if I'm using it wrong, but uh, uh, they are not going to intercede, there's the word, intercede with your life unless you're you're somebody of, of very high importance that, that has something to do with the way that their motives work or the cosmic order of things and all that, okay? 
So, you know, uh, most of the time, unfortunately, ancestral veneration and uh, spiritual veneration gets kind of put on the back burner when I kind of see it more as like, you know, kind of like a Triforce or, or a, a, you have your, of course, you have your gods, the ancestors, and the Vatir. And they're, they're not, they're, they're all parts of a cycle and they all have their, their working nature within that cycle. So, and, and to kind of pull back a little bit, what I'm getting at is that, you know, people will, will come in and they will, they will venerate the gods heavily and, and, and almost to, to the point to where it's almost very monotheistic in nature. And it's, um, again, I don't think they mean to do that. It's what they know. So, like, monotheism is is uh, the, the prior faith, and per faith work, that's what they know. So what are they going to do? They're going to use what they know until they can get the correct knowledge. <laughs> so... You, you you have to remember that that the uh, your ancestors and the Vatir are part of that cycle and they're and they're just as important as the gods in in terms of your faith work so uh, this one's gonna maybe piss a lot of people off and it's unfortunate I, I really hate to pick on them but um, the patron deity okay? Do I have a problem with patron deities? No, I don't. However, it it's it gets to a point where people put put monotheistic acts, aspects on it, such as you know, uh, or they work one on one with this god, and they and this god talks to them, and it's like I I hate to tell you, but I don't think you're I don't think they're talking with somebody that's saying the exact opposite to somebody else at the same time because there's no shortage of people saying that that they work one on one with thor or odin or or freya freig um don't see a lot of people doing that with freya or uh bragi or or uh i guess i've seen some scaldi but uh, uh Euler or nord uh just but i see a lot of thor and odin uh, they work one on one with them and they talk with them and i just I'm sorry, man. I cannot. If you if you think you do, that's fine. But I'm pretty sure you're you're just addressing your ancestors because your ancestors are the ones that are going to be interceding on your life or or, or use you know um, they're the ones that are going to want to see you succeed in every way possible, and they're going to be the ones that have the most effect on your daily life as well as the vatir. But usually, it's your ancestors that have the best look for you, or the, the best I'll look for you. Um, granted, uh, uh, you know, of course you have other aspects such as the Orlog in there and your Haminga and how that all kind of ties in with your being in Midgard. So, and what I mean by uh, the gods are not not all-powerful, or in terms of uh, different, yeah, what do I mean by them not being all-powerful? It's, again, I'm not saying that they're 
not powerful, but they they are they are the forces of cosmic order. They're very determined to see the picture as a whole thing. Um, us in individuals, um, unless we have some kind of great influence within the cosmic cycle, it's, I don't see them, you know, um, being one-on-one -on -one with you, you know what I'm saying? Um, you're, you're not going to run into them on the street unless you're a person of great influence or you work into their plan somehow and maybe they have other motives to use for you. I mean, we've seen even Odin who will, um, who, who more or less harvests warriors. He'll, he'll, um, help them achieve great things and then harvest their souls for, for Ragnarok. And you could juggle that with your, your moralities if you want to, but that's uh, essentially what, what happens there, in short. Now, by the whole view in the cosmic order, um, of course I'm talking about the way time flows and, and moves on, you know, because Odin, Odin and several of the other gods understand fate or understand um, the uh, the future, and they're actively trying to prevent that from happening. So, where your ancestors are, are more or less going to be looking out for you to be successful. I just, I hope that I've made that pretty clear. Vatir can be kind of uh, give and take. It really just depends on how they're feeling. So, and for anybody that don't know, Vatir is, is pretty much just spirits. You could have the land Vatir or the host Vatir or the house house spirits or, or the land spirits and, and whatnot. So, just clear that up. But uh, deconstruction, yeah, deconstruction, it's something that you just have to sit down and you make sure you do your best to, to try to understand what, what polytheism is more or less about compared to monotheism. Try to, try to, try to spot the differences in them. Um, do a little research on that. Do a little reading. I read a book. Um, and it's probably one of my favorite books so far, and I've, I'm going to recommend it heavily if you're into um, kind of theism debates or, or debates with um, theism and a world full, or yeah, excuse me, a world full of gods by uh, John Michael Greer. Greer, yeah wrote a great great book on on and, and it goes into detail on on many different aspects and the differences between atheism monotheism polytheism and it are actually argues from the point of polytheism within um, within many theistic arguments so I can't recommend that book enough a world full of gods by uh, John Michael Greer it, it, it will definitely help and shape some perspective there. Um, and, of course, you, you want to read uh, the legends and the lore and, and try to interpret that to the, the best of your ability and what we have available to us.
So, other than that, I just I really don't have much else. I did, like I said, I, 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 I think I've covered pretty much uh, deconstruction and the monotheistic uh, uh, thought that gets somewhat pulled into uh, polytheism. Again, I really don't think people do this on purpose. I don't think they. I don't think they're being malicious. I was. I. I did it myself at the very beginning because, again, that's just what you're comfortable with. That's what you know. You come from a spiritual background or a, a faith background that's that's rooted in monotheism, and of course, um, society itself is kind of rooted in it as well. Uh, my kids really haven't uh, been introduced very heavily to uh, Christianity or anything, but because it is so prevalent in society and around them, they, they honestly pick up quite a bit from their friends and family, school, um, and just every day. And just, you, you can, if, if you haven't, sit down with your kids and talk to them. If you're like me, um, and see what they know already because I sat down with my my sons and I, I kind of asked them a couple of questions like what is heaven and what is hell and you know do you know who uh, Jesus Christ is uh, do you know who God is very monotheistic answers I got back from all of that and it's I'm not disappointed I'm not upset or disappointed but that's just because there is just so much influence of it around in society. You have to, you have to understand that that it it pretty much gets programmed into you from an early early age. So yeah, it's going to be a long process to deconstruct, whether it's your own kids or yourself. Because again, that's just what we're rooted in. I mean, sometimes I still use you know oh my god instead of like oh my gods or or you know or jesus christ instead of odin's beard or yeah, by thor's hammer you know i just don't i i still use some of them as just kind of uh um it's just rooted into me now and that make you any less heathen no it doesn't you you I still go out, I still venerate the gods, I still go outside and, um, pra or, you know, practice my, my faith and, and, uh, put myself within the gifting cycle, you know, to all, to the gods, to my ancestors and to the Vatir, as, as you should, um, to be a practicing heathen, I, I really believe that you need to put yourself within that gifting cycle, I believe it's very important to do. I think that is uh, primary for the faith. Just and it's it's very simple to do. People seem to overcomplicate that, but uh, just a, a simple bloat is is very easy to do. Some people think you have to have these uh, like a fancy way of saying things and very poetic and and getting very deep, but it's not. It's not like that, you know. You can you can speak from the heart because the speaking from the heart, regardless of how poetic it may sound, is more powerful than any any poetic uh, uh, thing that you just pull off the internet and read that aloud and and you know dump some wine on the ground and call it good. 
trust me, you can make it more powerful by speaking from the heart. So that's, I guess, a little bit of advice there. Now, I could do a Heathen 101 video if you got, or um, video or podcast episode if if that's something that we want to do. But I think that's, uh, I think I think there's plenty more resources out there for that. I don't think I need to be the one to do that, but uh, may, maybe I will just for the heck of it and give my thoughts on it. So um, I hope you enjoyed our little chat. I realize that, again, it's only like 30 minutes, a little bit more. And I hope to extend these out eventually once I get a little bit more subject matter and I get a little bit better at doing it. Again, I apologize that it took me so long to get this other episode out. I I am a creature of habit, and um, trying to work things into a habit is sometimes difficult. But once I have it into a uh, rolling schedule, then it becomes kind of second nature. So I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot for like two episodes a month, uh, at least one episode a month. But but my goal ultimately is to hit two, so maybe every other week. Um, I've got. A group meeting coming up this weekend, uh, and I'm gonna be hopefully racking my strawberry mead, and we'll see we'll see where it goes from there. Mead making is really really fun, so if if that's something I I definitely want to cover sometime in working with your hands and and faith itself, that would be I think some great content there. But uh, I hope I hope again I hope this uh, conversation was a little bit enlightening. I I really hope it opened up a lot of a lot of ears a lot of minds and and you can sit down with yourself again you know no disrespect for anybody else's path this is my personal path and my personal thoughts on on it everybody's going to be a little bit different especially regarding heathenism however uh we're we're moving up and we're moving forward we're learning we're we're coming together and and hopefully i can uh get some more more content out to you guys. So again, I appreciate it. Thanks for stopping into Helgut's Hearth and sitting with me. All right. Appreciate you. I will see you guys next time. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Enjoy yourself and stay cool because it is absolutely hot where I'm at. Okay. Have a good one.